Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best-selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. What is the shaman school? No, you're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The Shaman School offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society, how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on The Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. This is Shaman Durek. And uh, my goodness, I, you know, I am just so engulfed in love for the tribe, for all of you. Because 
You know, there has been so much calamity and so many challenges on the planet up to now that have caused a lot of people stress, anxiety. Uh, a lot of people feel like they don't want to be here anymore. They don't understand why they're here anymore. And a lot of people have been feeling this kind of slow process, even though this is supposed to be a year where where things are moving fast, but it seems like it's kind of sluggish, doesn't it? And even in that, I have to say that you're still here and you're still here. And that means what? That means that you have the ability to continue this amazing adventure. You are here to persevere. Now, Look, I know things have been challenging. They've been challenging for me too. But every challenging moment is offering us the opportunity to surrender. And not surrender because we're weak or surrender because we have to give up, but surrender for the purpose of us beginning to let go of the things that are no longer serving our purpose. Truly. I mean, think about it. A lot of times we have this idea that things are supposed to be a certain way. And a lot of that is our ego that's been programmed based on our experiences of life, our family, our friends, society, the things that we see on TikTok or Instagram or social media, or even if you're not on social media, it's the pressure of what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? And again, that whole thing about what you're doing with your life is so interesting because it's like we have to be doing something with our life in order to feel that we are living our life. The idea of doing something is never about us enjoying our life more so than it is about us fulfilling other people's ideas of what that means, okay? We've talked about this before, but now add this element on. Everything that seems difficult in your life is because you're putting pressure, you're putting intensity, and you're pretty much being a drama queen and drama king, a drama being on the situation, right? I mean, we all have these dramatics when I mean, we do. And I catch myself, uh, I catch others doing it. We, we create unnecessary baggage and unnecessary entrapments in our minds and in our emotions because we're not getting what we want. It's like we're being little crybaby wah-wahs, right? And these crybaby wah-wahs are not supporting where we need to be in ourselves to be able to manifest the greatest possibility that can and is possible to manifest. Woohoo! Yeah. Manifest, manifest. <laughs> so again, when we when we get into that space, right? That real space with ourselves. We realize that the universe is like, look, the reason why you're going through all this calamity and difficulty is because you're fighting that which needs to leave or fighting that which needs to no longer be in your life. And the more you fight it, the more suffering you're going to go through. The more you surrender and let go and really trust the flow, because look, the river has a flow and it's being guided by the spirits and your and, and, and your ancestors and the nature spirits and all these beautiful, wondrous beings that are there, your spirit helpers to support you in this amazing experience of you 
experiencing things and then creating things and then experiencing them again over and over and over and over as long as you choose to continue doing that on this planet. And so the key element is to get to that point is to surrender into the river of life, the river of spirits, true course for you. Now, a lot of people don't want to believe that there's a destiny. And I get it. I get it. I hear it all the time. The thing is, it's not so much about destiny as it, it's about you arriving at the highest or greatest point that you can by making the greatest point decisions for your life. And when I say greatest point decisions for your life, that means every choice you make is a point on the map that leads you somewhere. And we want to get to our bliss point. We want to get to the bliss. We want to get to the, that yummy, good feeling, sexy vibe, chill zone where we can just feel good all the time, sustained all the time, right? Self-sustaining and maintaining. However, as we know, because we're such dramatic beings, we tend to fight the system of this beautiful river. Now, the system of this river is designed and built for us to get to that bliss point in the most easiest and most effortless way. However, what we do is we fight it because we have agendas and we have these ideas of what we want things to be like, even though they're not the best things for us. We feel like we have to have it. We have to conquer it. We have to succeed in it. We have to get it. We have to experience it. And if we don't, then we go into sadness and depression or things are moving quick enough. Things aren't happening for me. Why is nothing working? I feel blocked. Like what's the first thing we do when we feel things aren't working, right? We go, we're blocked. And then we go into this rhetoric of I'm working on myself instead of saying I'm devoted to myself and I'm devoted to creating more space for myself and holding more space for myself to find the exact choices that lead me to the right point to get me to that bliss point. So I'm not continuously um, fighting against this beautiful system that has been built by spirit, not the matrix system that was built to suppress you and keep you down, but the system that is built in ordinance of divine energy. That means ordinance of divine energy means it's been structured to bring you to divinity within yourself and that which shines through you shines into everyone else, right? So it becomes this reflection of possibility. So that being said, as we begin to transverse through all of these dramatic scenarios that we keep creating for ourselves because we keep fighting the surrender, the true surrender, not the surrender of I'm weak and I don't wanna be here anymore, so I wanna take my life surrender, but the surrender of I'm gonna surrender from these things that I keep putting myself into and make space to really hear myself and my truth of what it is that is exactly making me feel that I have to fight this energy. Because again, any part where we feel like we have to force something is going against the flow. Any place where we feel we have to fight something is going against the flow because love should always be present and the fight should never happen, right? Because if we're fighting something, the greatest way to win is to surrender, right? The only way in which to be able to overcome something is to surrender, right? So the more we surrender and the more we just step into a space of holding space for love, holding space for love for others, we begin to manifest everything that we've asked for, but in the most beautiful and eloquent way. 
versus us having to like, you know, what do we call hustle and fight and, you know, and go through all this stuff. So if you're fighting with your partner or you're fighting with your family, you're in the wrong flow. You're not in the universal flow. You're not in the in the spirit flow. You're not in that beautiful designed um, orchestra of light that is saying, come with us and we'll show you how to get to your bliss point. You're actually going against that and you're shifting into a different frequency that is much more disruptive and much more chaotic, which then of course brings in different archetypes of people that are playing stuff out from your childhood. And then it brings in archetypes of people who will continue to reflect to you how you treat yourself because the fact that you're making choices against your bliss point. So you're going to create people to come in and reveal that to you. The energy of the universe is really simple. It's not this very complex situation that people try to make it to be because they want to feel like this is some kind of spiritual superiority that they get by acknowledging that there's so much intensity and we have to do all this shadow work and we have to do all this work, 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 work. The idea of work in general is a complete dramatic experience for human beings to even experience and saying out of their mouths because the idea of work constitutes something difficult or something that you have to uh, strive to go through that could take a lot of time and a lot of energy and so forth. And the universe has never designed anything to be work. It's always a devotion. It's always a flow. It's always a surrender. It's always a breath. It's always a gentle process, right? But we make it challenging because the way we think and the way we think and the way we choose to react and feel about situations. Hmm. Can't say I haven't done that one. But what I, what I will say is this, is that we have the capability to be able to see very clearly on the situations that are taking place in our life and be able to shift them and change them if we stop fighting. So the first key to anything is stop fighting. If you have, let's say, for instance, money problems, right? Money problems are happening because you just don't like money and you need to be honest about it first in order for it to change. So the way you stop the fight is you first just stop trying to convince yourself that you want to make money when money's not coming in. That's because there's some underlining belief that you're holding on to that makes it that money is not gonna come in because you don't like money. So first you gotta get over your issues of not liking money. And the really simple thing you have to do for that is look at the dramatics you're creating around money. Like what you believe about money from its true source, not from the place of, I want money and I wanna be abundant. And then using affirmations and a bunch of hoo-ha, la-la over the wound that's already there that you've created. And remember I said, you, not someone else, because you have a choice to listen to other people and take in what they say as truth or, or not truth. So, you know, you make it true or false, right? When you take that in, it's now yours. You own it. So when you own that, that's when things start to become more aware to you, right? But when you don't own it, and you play this game with the universe called, this person hurt me, this person did this to me, this person did that to me. Every single person that has showed up in your life from the time that you were a child to where you are now is playing a role for you as according to what you've asked before you came to earth and is playing a role for you in the process of getting you to understand things about humanity. So it's not just the fact that you have to clean up some ancestral mess. You don't, you can actually burn a white candle and ask your ancestors to get down here and clean up their mess and make your life easier. But what you 
have to understand is that you're making choices every single day, right? Those choices that you're making every single day are having an impact on your life. Those choices, it's either turn on Netflix or choose to go to the gym or, you know, um, you know, go and distract yourself versus choosing to do something where you're communicating to yourself truth and possibility. You know, again, every choice you make is building or destroying. So again, you have to ask yourself, you know, these choices that you're making are not just choices. These are pivotal energetic points that are being drawn out into the universe and all spirits and all beings are listening to these choices and then supporting you based on what those choices are. So if you are choosing fear, then you're calling in spirits to support you in that fear and you're calling in certain people to support you in that fear. So instead of getting mad at everyone around you and instead of blaming everyone around you, just own that shit, own it. And when you own it, what will happen is, is that you'll begin to realize that you'll take more devotion in the responsibility, which means the, the ability to respond to yourself and how in which you think and how in which you choose to believe things or tell yourself stories about things, right? Because life is all about stories. It's all one big story after another. And every single story has either a happy ending or not such a happy ending based on the person who is writing the story or creating the story and vice versa. So if you are operating in this context of, I have to limit myself because it makes other people uncomfortable for me to be great and wonderful, that's a story you're telling. That story is then being amplified by a choice you're making to believe in that story. That choice is amplifying energy out into the universe, calling in the spirits and the archetypes to come in and support your story. And therefore, when you say, I don't understand why this is happening to me, it just seems like this is always the situation and it never changes, that's another story. And with another uh, implication of your truth in choice, which means the choice is an energy that is then blasted out to the universal field of intelligence. It finds the right spirits and archetypes to come in and keep supporting that story. So it's very important for us to get really focused. And when I say focused, devoted into the way we think and the way we speak as a, as a true spiritual, uh, how do we say, devotion, right? to your spiritual essence and to your spiritual likeness, to be able to communicate your truth in a way that is actually creating impact in a way that supports you, supports others, and supports everything around you. So again, you're not just impacting yourself, you're impacting energies around you. If that people choose to let that energy impact them, then they take that on and they have to own that, right? It's not your responsibility to say, well, I'm upsetting everyone around me, or people will say, oh, you're upsetting people around you. No, those people are choosing to be upset because they're making a choice. And then that choice is bringing in energies and spirits and different things to support them so that they can continue that narrative as the creator. Now, notice I said that, and I'm gonna say it again, as the creator. That gives you a whole new spectrum of understanding the degrees of manifestation, right? And the understanding of cause and effect. Because when you begin to recognize that everything that keeps showing up in your life is only showing up 
because you are calling it in and not taking responsibility, which is full, full commitment, full devotion to what you're thinking about, what you're speaking about, and what you choose to react to in your feeling self, right? So again, we are at a point in our evolution where the veil is getting thinner and thinner and thinner. So what does that mean? That means that things are going to happen more and faster. So even though you may think your life is not moving as quick as it can, it actually is. It's just because you're not thinking correctly about situations or feeling in your reaction or you are not putting the right energy in place and the universe is giving it back to you so quickly that it keeps you in a perpetual state of, oh God, what is going on, right? Because it's happening so fast, it just seems like this constant nightmare that just keeps happening over and over and over again. When in fact, it's not real in that sense. It's an illusion because everything that you see and everything you're experiencing moves through. So it's not like it's there, it moves. But every time you keep going into the story and keep wanting to fight the, the, the flow that the universal field has for you, this beautiful flow, then it just keeps reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring. And it's only doing that because you're cycling it through with your thoughts, your reactions, and your beliefs of your story, meaning your choices, the choices you keep making to keep giving more energy to that story, to that idea, to that thought. Any thought that comes in that is not serving love, that is not serving you in the highest level, that is not supporting you, it's because you've called in a spirit from the underworld. Now get this, because a lot of people are gonna be like, oh, come on, really? I'm calling in spirits. Yeah, you're the child of the divine. You are. You have the gift and the power. Uh, you're calling all spirits from any dimension that can best support you at any given time so that you're able to have your needs met exactly as you want them to be met. Now, this is going to be a thing to digest, right? Yes, it's going to be a thing to digest. The relationship you got into that caused you pain, the loss that you had um, in money or business or anything, any kind of situation that you went through that connects to you and your choices, not someone else's choice. Like if someone left the planet, like a mother or father or a family member, or they, they transition to the other side, that's not your fault. And it's never a fault. Again, this is not about fault. This is about choices. It's your choice to decide how you choose to see it. It was their choice to leave, right? Now, a lot of people are gonna say, well, I don't think it was my friend's choice to leave. They didn't wanna die. Well, again, I'm gonna give this to you. What someone wants in the moment in speaking based through their mind consciously is not the real voice of truth. If I say, I don't want to die and I'm still dying, that's because there's some part of me that has not been examined or looked at in the right way that is creating something. Now, it could be a multiple of things. It couldn't, it, it's not just thought because a lot of times people think I say, because you're unhappy, that's the reason why this is happening. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it could be the food that you keep eating, the, the dysfunctional relationship you choose to stay in, 
the, uh, the toxic chemicals you're putting in your body. Um, it could be the environment that you're in that your spirit has been telling you over and over and over that you cannot handle cold weather and that you need to be in the sun and you keep putting yourself in cold weather or you keep putting yourself in sun when your body really wants to be in more cooler temperatures. Again, all of these things are the breakdown and makeup of why we get ill, why we get sick, why we um, people's bodies break down, why we get dis-ease, and why we create dysfunction in our lives, right? Again, it's how willing are you and how devoted are you to really know yourself, really truly know yourself. Like I know for me, I love the sun, but too much sun is too much for me. And it's funny too, because I am a Scorpio and that's the time, like if you look at the astrology, Scorpio is the time that we lead people into the darkness and, and help them survive in the darkness until the light returns, right? So for me, I replenish and recharge myself, not in bright, sunny weather. I actually recharge myself in when things are a little bit more darker and a little bit more candlelit and a little bit more like soups and things that comfort you and warm you and, and things of this nature. So like, for instance, right now I'm in Norway, I'm looking out the window, uh, winter's coming, you have gray skies, uh, I see the trees, um, I see the foliage of the leaves, I see the different colors of the leaves. That, for me, makes me feel really good inside, okay? Um, but again, for someone else, they might look at that and go, oh my God, that's too much for me, I can't handle that. I need sun, I need bright, shining sun. Again, that's you. And just because that's you doesn't constitute that what I need for myself is, is, is lessened, you understand? But we have this tendency on the planet to lessen ourselves and our needs and what we truly desire because of other people. I've seen people stay in relationships that are so dysfunctional and they stay in the relationship until they literally almost kill themselves. Only because they weren't willing to be honest with the fact that that person is not in sync or alignment with them and their visions and their ideas of who they are and where they want to go in life. So, for instance, people do that also with where they live. They go, okay, well, my family lives here, so I should live here too. Maybe they don't like the cold temperature. Maybe you've never liked the cold temperature since you were a kid and you actually enjoy the sun. Well, maybe you need to make a decision on are you going to be honest with yourself and lead yourself to your bliss point? Or are you going to fight the universal flow that's been set up for you to reach your bliss point by fighting yourself and staying in a place that makes you uncomfortable and then come up with thousand and one excuses why, which are choices, and then have people come in your life to support those choices and keep you where you are until you become miserably sick. You see, that is the problem with our planet. The problem with our planet is that it's not that we aren't capable of having peace on our planet, are capable of no war, are capable of having beautiful relationships, are capable of having uh, prosperity and abundance and capable of having good health and all of these things. It's not about that. It's about the fact that we make choices in opposition to our truth. And we do it to please others. We do it because we feel um, that our stories are so dramatic that they must be true and we actually make them true. 
um, and support them and invest in them and do all these other things instead of do exactly what it is, which is to be honest with ourselves. So I encourage you for a week, next two weeks, three weeks, to get into the state of being completely honest with yourself, no matter what anyone thinks, no matter if you don't even like it, uh, no matter if uh, you feel like you're letting anyone down or being uh, too much or whatever it may be, whatever it may be, you choose to be completely honest with yourself from a place of love and devotion and really pay attention to what happens next. Because this is a this is a really pivotal point in our evolution. We're crossing these energetic spheres of frequency on the planet. Um, that's why we see so much uh, disruption and chaotic uh, um, upheaval. And these two frequencies are learning how to merge and synergize, but they haven't been able to completely because the truth frequency that is the spirit of truth hasn't fully been digested within the spectrum of human emotion. Hmm? Human emotion, yes. And that causes a great deal of calamity because when that has not been digested, meaning completely absorbed into human emotion, human beings' minds are running faster than their emotional intelligence. So the emotional intelligence factor then is depleted because of choices that cause pain after pain after pain after pain after loss and suffering and you know you name it okay because you can just look and see where people are going through so much and then what does that cause on our planet that co- that causes what we call a reflection and that reflection of that pain then basically in- increases and builds by the reflection of other people's pain And then when all that reflected pain is accumulated in mass numbers of people on the planet who are doing that to themselves and doing it to others, then we have continuous war on our planet. And we have continuous chaos and corruption and you name it, more and more of these things continue to happen. And people say, well, how come it never changes? How come people don't, how can we still have war on our planet? How can people hurt each other? How can people do these things? Because we do it to ourselves every time we deny our truth. We do it to ourselves every time we lie to ourselves, every time we try to make someone happy and, and not make ourselves happy. But as long as they're happy, it's okay. Every time we stay in a situation that we know is toxic and we stay in that situation because we keep thinking that, you know, we can't be failures, we're going to conquer it and we're going to make it through. Every single time we step into a workplace, workplace, without knowing it should be a devotion place or a vision place, aligning vision place, where we connect into the vision of whatever that is that, that, company or that business or whatever it may be, even if you're doing something solo on your own, is in alignment to your truth, alignment to your feelings, alignment to you so that you don't step in ever and say, oh, I can't even stand working here. Oh, I can't believe I have to go to work tomorrow. It's just work, work, work. And it's the word work that keeps you stuck in that old paradigm of work, what it actually constitutes and what it means instead of being in a, a devotional vision Um, with the company or that which you are putting your energy into. Because remember, energy is currency and currency deserves to be utilized in a way that supports you as well. So it should never just be, I'm working and working and working and working and giving all this currency away and you're not really living a good life or feeling nurtured or feeling um, 
how do we say, balanced and centered. So there is this great cosmic alignment taking place. That cosmic alignment, it's going to take some time. It's going to take more than more than one or two years. I'll, I'll give it to you like that. However, the more you're willing to be honest with yourself while this cosmic alignment is taking place, the easier and more efficient your life is going to become. And when I say efficient, meaning you're not going to have to hustle or struggle so much to have things happen because it's just going to happen because you're going to fully understand how to stay in that flow and ride the current right down, ride that beautiful river, that wave all the way to your bliss point, right? And you're going to get so comfortable with that bliss point, you're going to be shining that and radiating that through your being to other people in the world. As we begin to progress on our soul journey, understanding frequency and the design of frequency is so important. As it is important that you understood frequency through sound and music, vibration, the pounding of a drum, the, the crashing of a cymbal, the understanding of your voice, the beating of your heart, the frequencies and energies that exist within the, the tempo of that which we can hear in our ear is also the frequency in which we cannot hear but we can feel because our feeling has the ability to hear in the spirit world. That gives us a greater understanding of the energies in which are at play. So I encourage you to do that. And I love you so much. And I look forward to speaking to you and sharing more love, more wisdom, more joy, and more everything and keeping you powerfully lit so that you can continue to be the lit leader of legacy that you are and continue to rock the casbah. I look forward to hearing from you. And again, if you have uh, things that you want to send in for the tribe, um, if you want to book appointments with me on uh, privates, or if you want to take courses at the Shaman School, that's all available. And uh, please do check out some of the cool stuff we have, such as the um, Spirit Optimizer, uh, the Spirit Hacking Book, uh, the, the Elemental Alchemy Elemental Cards um, that Jason McDonald and I did, and so many amazing, beautiful, wonderful, beautiful spiritual gifts that are there to support you on this journey because you don't have to do it alone. And having the tools that you need to be able to continue to move down your path with ease and grace gives you the greatest uh, sense of ease and sense of peace of mind when you actually see how these things can actually be added as a powerful spiritual um, tools, you know, as I say, um, instruments of magic and, and instruments of change to assist you. I love you. Thank you for being a part of Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I look forward to sharing more with you. Amala Ashe. Hello tribe, have you ever heard of Anima Mundi herbals? Well, I have to tell you, you know, in my life, I've traveled all over the world, trying people's products, experiencing them and seeing how they operate with my body, how connected they are to me on a deeper spiritual level, and the way I feel about how they're produced and created in this world. One of the things that I love about Amina Mundi is that it's a female and BIPOC owned and operated by a master herbalist, Adriana Ayeles from Costa Rica. When I 
connect with a product. And the reason why I share it with you is because I see results. And when I get results from a product, I have to share it with the tribe because I know that it's going to benefit your life as much as it's benefited mine. I love the fact that their products contain zero fillers and binders and also that it's pure botanical powders, teas. It is the most powerful apothecary that I've run across in my travels in life. And I love how they give back to the community to bring support for education and helping people with farming productions and creating remedies and benefits that people all over the world and all walks of life. Anima Mundi is not just a product. It is literally um, earth medicine. And it is so good for your soul because the moment you put it in your body, you can feel the results. So I don't really need to tell you anything more about this amazing company. What I can tell you is that you should have this on your shelf in your home for your family so that you can continue to live a healthy and vibrant life. If you want to have the most amazing products that touches your soul on a deep level, you can check out Anima Mundi and you get 15% off by typing Shaman Durek. I love you so much, Tribe, and I want you to feel as good as I feel when I put anything into my body. All right, Tribe, time to hear from our special guest. Hello, Tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I am so happy to have one of my old students and and protégés who has been in my life for a very, very long time and came to me and was this beautiful, powerful being that I saw. And I knew that this woman was going to excel. And she did just that. Her name is Rosie Acosta. She has studied yoga and mindfulness for more than 20 years and has taught for over a decade. She hosts a weekly conversational wellness podcast called Radical, Radically, Radically Loved. Rosie has traveled all over the world leading workshops, retreats, and yoga teacher trainings. She works with a wide range of students from those in her East Los Angeles community to Olympic athletes, NFL champions, and NBA all-stars, and veterans of war. That's a, Now, that if you, if, you, if you heard that, you know that she's also a humanitarian. A first-generation Mexican-American, Rosie's mission is to help others overcome adversity, experience radical love, She's been featured in Yoga Journal, Well and Good, Forbes, and the New York Post. She currently lives in the greater Los Angeles region known as the Valley. Rosie is a pioneer who is bringing forth information to serve humanity, to raise the consciousness, and to lift the social system of oppression and take us to a higher place. Thank you, Rosie, for being with us in the studio today. Thank you so much. I am so grateful and I can't, it, I'm still in a little bit of disbelief with everything you just said. I'm like, how has that all just happened? But I definitely have to uh, thank you for that. You were such a stronghold in my life when I needed it. And I, I can honestly say that I wouldn't have accomplished any of that if it wasn't for you and your guidance. 
Well, you know, I'm very honored um, that you chose me to be that person in your life. I was heartbroken when you left. We were at that club called, uh, it's on, I think it's on Suns. No, it's on Melrose. And it was um, this one club that has like red lights and stuff in red room. I remember the red. I always think about it. And I remember that was your goodbye because you were moving. And I was just heartbroken because you and I were glued to the hip. And, um, you know, I mean, literally, I would see you every moment, all the time we were together. And, you, you know, you married such an amazing man. And, you know, and I'm just so proud of you because I remember we talked about a long, long time ago, you were like, what am I going to be doing with my life in the future? <laughs> I'm like, girl, you're going to be on television. You're going to be writing books. You're going to be a spiritual leader. And I was like, I don't see it. Yeah, you said that so many times. It used to irritate me on some point, but you know, because every time I would tell you what it was and you're just like, you would be like, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I'm like, well, you don't have to see it. I see it and you'll see it when it's time. And you're like, but when? I'm like, when you're ready, when you're ready to be who you came here to be. And that has been such a wonderful triumph. And how, how has it felt for you to be able to go back and remember that conversation where you said you can't see it to now living it? Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I don't know. It's, it's really wild to think about it because I remember during that time, I was so lost and I, I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. I didn't really know what I was doing with myself. And all I wanted, you know, I was in this, I remember it was, it felt almost like I would, I would throw these tantrums with you sometimes where I would be very negative. And all I wanted for you to tell me is to just like coddle me. All I wanted for you to be like, yeah, it is hard or yes, it is. You know, you're, you're right. You know, I think that maybe you need to just, you know, be coddled and, and you wouldn't do that. You would just be like, Nope, it's happening. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop throwing this tantrum and you need to just focus on your work. And yeah, like just continue to be grateful for what you have. And and it was so not what I thought you would say. You know, I, I just always felt like a guide in your life would be somebody that would corroborate what you already believed. And and that was not the case. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned from you was that a good teacher and the right guide is going to be honest with you and it's going to yeah. tell you the truth. That's oh, right. So yeah, look, coming back to your question, I, I think I'm, I'm in a little bit of a disbelief state. I, I can't believe everything that's happened. And, and I try not to think about it too much uh, in the sense of um, pride or anything like that. I think I I just look at it as what you told me in the past, that I would just be living my purpose. I would just be living this life of connecting with others and trying to help as many people as I can and just share my story and be be honest. And And again, I think... At that age, too, in my mid-20s, I didn't know how to express the truth. I didn't know how to be... Not that I was a dishonest person, but I just... 
I didn't really have my voice. And I think that the work that you and I did together for so many years was you saying that that was part of my duty. And the way that you would share your truth and honesty so freely and so candidly and so um, so authentically was very inspiring to me because I'm like, here's this person that I look up to that is a leader that is out there doing this incredible work. Uh, and he can be completely honest and upfront and share his truth. I'm like, I want to be like that. you know. And I think that that's that's the courage that i needed to you know leave the nest and and go fly and and express myself in in this honest way yeah you know it's it's interesting because when i go back and remember i always remember you crying and ooing and <laughs> like being like but when 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 and I said to myself, if you only know what I see and what the spirits have revealed to me, she would stop doing this. And it didn't matter how many times I gave you the vision. I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to write a book and some people are going to know about your book all over the place. Yeah. And you'll- Well, you would also say, are you going to be on stages with the microphone? And I'm just like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. There's like this, there's, there's, there's a hidden joy inside of me right now of knowing that I was right. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. And, and really the idea of radical love really stems from that, that work that we did. And so just to give people a little bit of context, we met 13 plus years ago and I, I we got introduced through a mutual friend and I was just so instantly uh connected to your you and your energy the minute I saw you smile and I I can't exactly remember what happened but you started laughing and I'm like I love this man I mean who is this person that is just so jovial so happy so connected to life and I I wanted that spark that you had. I wanted that lightness, that connection to the answers. And I was in a place where I just felt so broken. I felt so lost. I felt like I was wasting my my time. I felt like my life was... I felt like I was a prisoner to my life. You know, I was working... I don't know if you remember this, but I was working as an executive assistant to a celebrity trainer at the time. And I... I just was really. Oh yes, how could remember? That? Yeah, <laughs> and that was part of the thing too, right? That because, was intense. Yes, uh, there was a lot of this. I didn't, I didn't know where I was going, and so I would hear Shaman Durek saying, "Oh, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be writing books," and I'm like, "I think you're picking up on what my boss is doing. Like, that's not going to exactly happen for me, you know." And and I really needed to hear what you had to say. And sometimes this is what I tell people all the time. You know, you need to surround yourself with people that are going to uplift you, not, not corroborate your negative cycle and tell you that you're not going to achieve something. But you also don't want to surround yourself with just yes people that are just going to tell you yes all the time. You need to surround yourself with honest people. And here's the difference between somebody who lovingly tells you the truth and somebody who's just being mean 
right? Somebody who just doesn't want to see your star shine. You know the difference. You can feel the difference. And when you would tell me these things, like, this is what you're going to be doing. Like, you just need to focus on your work and and be grateful for what you have. Even though I knew it wasn't what I wanted to hear, I knew somehow that that was the truth. Or when I would throw these tantrums and you would be like, you are throwing a tantrum. You need to stop doing this. Like, this is not serving you. And this is not productive. <laughs> like, let's, because I would be, I would come to you and complain to you about my boss. And I'd be like, she's being like this. And she's being, she's jealous of me. And she's the, and you're just like, why are we talking about this person? And why are you focusing on her and her energy? Like, you need to focus on your own stuff right now. And you were absolutely right. Most of the time we focus on what everybody else is doing, what somebody else is posting, what somebody else is talking about, what's what's everybody else, oh, this person's got this job or they just have this, this course that just came out. I need to be doing this. And we should all over ourselves, right? And you taught me to not do that. And my energy was was better served, focused on the things that I wanted to create. So again, just going back to what I was saying, the truth sounds differently when it's coming from somebody that's saying it from a place of love. And you always said it to me, even though at times you would have to kind of snap me out of it. It still felt very loving and very true. And I feel like that's a skill that most of us need to learn. Wow. I mean, that right there is, uh, you know, a mic drop of wisdom. You know, there is this, so there is this wonderful thing that I love about you is because you're so smart and you're so aware of how things are affecting you energetically because you've gone through so much of that energy pattern of feeling other people's energies, how it affects you, how it affects you, how it affects you until you got to a point where you're like, you know what? I know how energy affects me. Now I want to see how I affect energy. And so you've, you know, you've created this amazing book. It is called You Are Radically Loved, The Healing Journey to Self-Love by Rosie Acosta, um, which is the host of the Radically Loved podcast, which um, everyone needs to have in their home. And the thing is, is that you turned all of that energy and that's something that's really important. And I want to ask how you went into that journey. What inspired you to turn your journey into a book? But also, what was the thing where you know where you were feeling so much energy, feeling all these people's energy and then decided, you know what? I don't need to feel people's energies like this anymore. I need to be the person affecting the world with my energy. Yeah, that's it's a great question. And again, I'll revert back to the work that we did. But I, you know, I grew up in East LA during the LA riots in a very chaotic time and a neighborhood that was overrun by gangs and drive-by shootings. And, and I think just having that experience from a young age, uh, really opened me up, you know? So by the time I was a teenager, I was struggling with anxiety and panic attacks. And I found yoga and meditation at that time. And that was during a time where I feel like I really needed a connection to something else, to something bigger. And I I knew that it was something that was going to serve me. But it took, I don't know, another probably 10 years 
uh, for it to really seep into my system. So then around my early 20s, I was I was wanting to figure out why being into a lot of these contemplative practices, why it was serving me more. I was seeking alternative health, alternative medicines, alternative ways to feel more connected, to feel like I was loved, to have faith, right? Because I've just felt like this world is so... can be really an ugly place. Mm. And I just... I didn't understand why if there was a God and spirit, why it would allow so many awful things to happen in the world. And so it was in that journey and in that space, having that, I would say, that doubt allowed me to be more open because even though I had the doubt, I was still seeking something. And it, it was, I think, just studying and, you know, working with you, finding you, having this, uh, spiritual community sort of show up at the right time, it really made me more aware of what was possible. And and to me, I'm I'm very much, and, and you know this, I love the spiritual realm. I, I really love going into that space. I I love learning, but I'm also very much that, you know, hood little girl from East LA where I'm just like, I need the proof. Like I need to see something happen. Like I am not about this life, you know? So (laughs) I very, I very much feel like both of those energies ground me because I'm very open, but I'm also very practical because I, I think about the people like the people I grow up with, you know, I, I, although there are very, a lot of people that are very faith-based, I feel like a lot of the times we can interact with each other in a very loving and practical way. And sometimes that's all we need. You know, we don't need to go into an elaborate, ecstatic, spiritual space to feel love and to feel connected. Sometimes it's just a simple kindness, a smile or something that somebody says and that's where I'll revert back to the work that we did together because I feel like that really helped me. You really helped me understand the connection that I was feeling in the spiritual sense in a practical way because I was like, oh, okay, I can use my job that I don't love to be spiritual. I can use the things in my life to be spiritual. It doesn't mean I have to because I would want to escape. I don't know if you remember this. I'm like, I just need to go to India. I need to go on a retreat. I need to just escape for like six months. And you were like, you need to bring the, what you're learning to your everyday life. And and I feel like that's where all of this work started to integrate. And then once I, I would say like left the nest, right? And I started teaching. I was already teaching, but I started teaching more yoga. I started to get more into it. I I wanted to create a community. I wanted to build a platform and I wanted to learn how to bring these practices to people like the people that I grew up with, you know, people that were more uh, underserved and and underprivileged, you know. And, And that's what I started to do. And little by little, it started to build. And here's the other part that was really interesting, right? As a brown person in this field, you know, back then when I was teaching yoga... Um, in in West Hollywood, like that was really interesting for me to do too, because 
I felt very much like this is something that I love to do and I really want to be authentic and bring yoga and meditation to the world. And I was like, people just wanted to do power yoga all day long. They just wanted to do, they wanted to exercise, they wanted to sweat. And so again, I went back to the drawing board and I was trying to figure out how do I, how do I merge everything that I've learned into a way that that people can practice radical love and self-love and connection. Uh, and, and that's where this all started to really come together. And you saw it. And obviously, once I moved away, like you and I kept in contact, but that is where you started to see it happen. And it's taken a long time. You know, it's funny people maybe now tune in to the podcast that almost... 500 episodes and they see a book and they see, you know, like me speaking, they think that it just happened. But this has been happening, I think, for as long as you and I have known each other over a decade. And Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I hope that answers the question. I know I went off on a tangent. It's okay. Tangents are good. Um, why do you think, my love, so many people struggle with owning their truth? I feel like people are afraid of being thrown away. I think people are scared to not belong and be a part of something. So we put on these masks thinking that that's what people will love because we don't feel like if people really know us that we will be loved. You know, I think it's a it's a fear. I feel like all of us have the fear of of sharing our full self because we've been hurt in the past. I know I have, I know you have. I know that a lot of us here have at one point or another been wronged or been hurt by somebody. And I think we start to build barriers around our heart. And I think we think that the barrier is there to protect other people from hurting us, but it's also keeping us from loving ourselves. So there's that that space within us that has to be exposed in order for us to feel fully present and fully connected with everybody else. Uh, I'm not saying don't protect yourself, but I, I feel like it's it's scary to share our full truth. I've been in situations before where I've shared my truth with the person that I really loved and they dumped me. You know, they they dumped me as as a friend and, and that was really the what? For good reasons. For yeah, yeah. And so and so that to me is like, okay, well that I'm not gonna stop sharing the honest truth with somebody because I fear that they're gonna throw me away because I I have to fully accept me for who I am and honor that truth within me because it's 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 part of my spiritual journey, to be yes. honest. Woo! I love that. Love it. Love it. All right. So, you know, in your book, you mentioned trust the practice. What does that mean, my love? Everything we do in life is a practice. Everything. I feel like the way that we drink our tea or coffee is a practice. Uh, I'm not talking about a practice specifically as a yoga practice or a meditation practice, I'm talking about the practice of 
the repetitive cycle of the mind, of the things that you do every day. Trust the practice, trust the ritual, trust the routine. You get to decide what you do every day. You get to decide. You get to choose what you do every day. And so that is the practice. So committing to yourself to change one negative thought, whereas if, if it's a negative thought where you say, oh, you're, I'm so dumb. Oh, I, of course I messed that up. I'm such an idiot. If the practice is just changing the vernacular to, oh, honey, you made a mistake. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and I think that, that that is, you have to trust that. You have to really cultivate that self-trust within yourself that I feel like a lot of us are out of practice. We don't trust ourselves. That's why we're constantly asking other people what they think of us and how they feel about us and what we should do because we lack the muscle of self-trust because we're constantly conditioned that we're not right the way we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned in your book about grace and relationships and talking about um, how something is either nourishing you or depleting you. Can you speak more on that? Yeah. I feel like everything in life is either giving you energy or taking away your energy. I do these, I do this exercise. It's like red card, green card, red card. If I'm, if I'm thinking, if I'm constantly doing something, I'll do this little project where I'll write a person or something that takes my energy. And then on a green card, it's like, this energizes me. And so when I start to see, I do this potentially with relationships at times, I start to see, I I like to do an inventory, just like I do a spring cleaning in my house. I'm like, (laughs) who is in my... Because I keep my circle small. The people that know me know that my circle runs real small and it's real tight. And that's where I like to live. I, I... I'm like a loyalist, you know. I've had the same friends that I've had since I was in kindergarten. You know, I I try to really I'm like a loyalist. I I like to really commit to my people. And sometimes I mean I love new people. I love when new people come in, of course. But I really have to assess the relationships in terms of is this is this feeding me or is this depleting me? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, you taught me this. Our energy is so valuable. And and how we choose to spend that time, it's like that quote, uh, oh my God, I can't remember her name right now. I'm literally drawing a blank. But she says, love is how you spend your time. And it's so true. And so the way that we we bring this grace into our relationships and how we nourish ourselves or choosing things or people that deplete us really show us how we feel about ourselves and what we're willing to do, how we're willing to compromise our values, how we're willing to compromise our alignment, how we're willing to compromise our integrity because of not wanting to be rejected by somebody else. So you have to really take agency in your relationships and assess whether somebody is there to serve your highest good or just there to deplete you. And and it's hard because sometimes people, you think like, oh, I really love this person. And I'm starting to realize that this person never shows up for me. And this person only takes from me. And this person is just constantly asking me for things. And then when you look back, you realize, oh, wait, this was 
this was an asymmetrical relationship. It was never an equal relationship. And and that's really hard sometimes. But the best thing that you can do for your for your self-journey, for your self-love, for your spiritual path is to be able to reconcile that within yourself and and to take action to to move through that. You know, either either break the relationship, break up with the person, or just transform it or set a boundary. Yeah, I agree. You know, I feel like a lot of times people go into relationships without being aware of the energy expenditure that they're putting in that relationship. And then they complain and say, oh, well, you know, this person's taking advantage of me. And I said, well, how this person's a vampire. Okay, how? How can a vampire and how can this person take advantage of you when you're the one taking the razor blade and slitting your wrist and saying, here, drink? I mean, did you not see yourself last night slit your wrist and say, here, drink? And all the vampires showed up and then you got mad in the morning that the vampires are in your house sleeping? Like, really? Like, you didn't see that? Because I don't know. I, I didn't see anybody slit your wrist, but I saw you do it. Right? And then people complain. And so again, it's this, it's this, it's this, you know, and I love what you're talking about because, and I really want to go into these understandings a little bit deeper is that these people create these false loyalties to people who are actually creating disruption and, um, and imbalance in their life just by being in their life, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's this guilt that people hold like, oh, I shouldn't let go of them. I feel like a bad person. How are you a bad person in honoring the degree of what is necessary for you to feel that radical love that you speak about towards yourself, right? Yeah. Why do you think we do that? You know, it's an interesting thing, but I believe that human beings have been born into a system of oppression. Like, think about it. You're on a planet and everything is governed by a rule, right? So if you don't pay your taxes then they'll send you a letter and then they'll send you another letter. And then all of a sudden the tax people show up at your house to arrest you with cops and the cops have rights to kill. Government people have rights to kill. So you have no rights, really. So people feel like there's all these rules that they have to obey. So they want to, so what they do is they look for ways to um, connect with people just to get any form of love or any form of sentiment or connection without really asking themselves internally, talking to their emotions, which is their feminine spirit, emotions, feminine spirit, is this person supporting you on all transparent levels and levels that will support you in growth and be able to give you the foundation of self-love and unconditional love by holding space for whoever you are and however you choose to be. Because a lot of times when people come in, they create conditional relationships. Yeah, I'll let you drink from my arm, but you're going to become my slave. Or I'll do this for you. Or the best one is having friends who will like give and give and give and give and give and give and give because they know you'll never be able to give to them as much as they give to you so that they can turn the relationship into a toxic, manipulative control relationship so that they can always say, oh, look at what you, you like. You never like you always ask for things. You always take advantage of me. You always this. But how, how is that possible when you're the one who's always asking them, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want that? It's a toxic relationship. It's meant 
to, to manipulate you into uh, subordination. Mm. And people are constantly seeking energy because they don't know how to self-create their own energy, Rosie. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It's so true. Yes. Right? Which brings me to my other um, point that I read in your book, which is finding the flow. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, flow is such an interesting concept to me. Uh, I feel like I'm very familiar with feeling stuck. That's my um, that's my default state. Is I if I don't know how to figure something out or I'm, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I have to stop everything. I literally stop responding to emails. I stop being on social media. Like I just I I have to stop. And what happens if I don't get out of that state is I feel stuck. And so I'm constantly trying to find ways to feel unstuck and to feel reconnected with the conduit of radical love, which to me, radical love is uh, this all-pervading energy that we get to step into. It's a part of us. We're a part of it. It's ever-present you know, it's, it's, it's just, it, it, it creation, just is. Right? Is that what yes, you're creation. Exactly. It's emanating through everything at all times, waiting for us to take in that love, but yes. people don't believe they're worth it or deserve it. Is that what you're speaking exactly. about? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So to me, that's, that's the flow. And going back to what I said earlier about it being in practical terms, I just, I have to reverse engineer it. If I'm feeling stuck, I physically start to move. I have to just move my body because if I'm Let's stuck, stuck, I want to go into the word stuck. Yes, right? people use that so much in the spiritual community and this idea of stuck. Like, are we really stuck, or is it because we say we're stuck? Our ego makes us stuck because it's following our our narrative. <sighs> I. Because what is stuck really? Isn't it a mindset? Like, like if I like if my ego is there to edify me in my reality by saying everything I believe is say that the ego then aligns up the characters and the people and so forth to make me right. So if I say I'm stuck, isn't that in the moment I'm actually creating the stuckness? I'm generating it now and giving it a form, giving it a purpose. Like when people saw, say something is a block, they're actually yeah. creating that. Yeah. So I think that the misconception then, because I, I agree with what you're saying, perhaps the misconception is that by naming it, you then give, you create it, you create something outside of yourself. That's the way I see it. But I think that what you're saying is that by naming it, you're, yeah, you're edifying it. You're now solidifying it within your system. So in a sense, you're really manifesting what you are saying. And you're- yeah, that's what it says here in your book. It talks about, um, and I want to read this line because I, 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 I kept this line. Um, Everything that happens in your life is an opportunity to find new meaning, to let go of things that don't serve the highest vision of your life. If you can see it, you can be it. You can either look at compounding obstacles, dogpiling up on top of, of you, or let things roll off your back and keep moving, right? And so I like that whole idea of 
realizing that you're dogpiling things and obstacles because you keep naming them and giving stories to them and building stories from the past from them. And then letting it roll off your back is realizing that if you don't invest in it, then it rolls off your back. And that's a really brilliant statement that you wrote. And I just wanted to flush it out because I want people to really understand what you're saying here. Because what you're saying is really, it's not just let it roll off your back. It's you're literally saying, don't invest in it. Yeah, don't don't corroborate it. Don't yeah. continue to say it and talk about it and move into it because that's going to continue to bring more of it. You know, I hear it all the time. I'm sure you hear it all the time too when people are expressing an issue. Well, I'm this and and this person is doing this and I feel this way and I'm not going to be able to do that. I mean, I did it. I did it to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's part of that experience of you're, you're, you're going to continue to perpetuate that cycle if you don't create a new narrative, if you don't move through it instead of just focusing on what is there. It's like, I think part of the Buddhist sentiment of naming it and then moving on. It's like, I'm not going to name it. And then I write it, write this in the book, name it and let it set up camp there. Like I'm going to name it and then let it live in my body because why? I don't know. Because we're sadistic emotionally sometimes. And we just love the drama. If you love the drama, admit that you love the drama. Like just own it, you know? Like just own the fact that you want to be the person that's constantly in, in crises. If that's you... That's fine. That's how you want to live your life. Own it, but then don't complain about it and keep and and keep poisoning the well of your friends. <laughs> Cause is that uh, right? I mean yeah. yeah, we're going deep in here. We're going deep. Because the thing is, is that um people go into this space where they want to hold themselves hostage by creating people in their life to play that role for them so they have an excuse to not move forward. That's it. Right? Yes. And 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 it's interesting because you know, it's kind of like how people manifest in the spiritual community, right? In the spiritual community, um literally people will manifest and say I want to manifest money. I'm like, okay, but why not manifest the thing that makes you money? Right. Cause it's, it's, but people are like, I want to, I want to fast. I want to manifest money. I want to manifest love. There's a very, very layman terms for the spirit world because the spirit world is very big and it's large. And so when you manifest small things and not go bigger in your vision, it's like the spirits are like, you know, we're going to wait till you get a little bit till you, till you decide to manifest big. Right. So it's, so stop manifesting money, manifest the things that bring you money. What, do, what is that? Is that, is that you working on TV? Is that you writing a book? Like, what is it, right? And what happens is people like to play small and then they draw people in to keep them small yes. so they can say, well, the reason why I can't get out, the reason why I'm not happy or the reason why this or that is because of this person or my husband or my, or my, or my girlfriend or my friend or the job people or the person at my job. You know, very similar to what you used to do in the past, which was always tell me about your boss and all the horrible things that she would say to you and do to you. 
And I would sit there and listen to it for a short while, short while, you know, I'd give you a little yeah, bit. Really short. You know, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to let her have like a sentence here. And then I'd be like, this has nothing to do with your boss. This has to do with you. Your boss is only there because you called your boss in to trigger you, agitate you, and show you something so you can see more of what you deserve and more of the value system. And I think that's amazing. And I think your book, you know, it's a great way of getting people to step into that frequency of, of, of the love that God has, right? Because a lot of times when people think of God, they think of, this, you know, this idea that God is some like person sitting in a cloud dolling out a bunch of punishments for those who don't say enough, you know, Hail Marys or do enough downward dogs or do enough whatever people think they have to do in order to get love, right? And I think that's so indicative of your book, you know, because I, me reading, you know, and I'm not finished with it because I have so many books that get sent to me, but I go through chapters and I look and go, okay, let me read this, you know, Um like, for instance, you say, um, I am radically present now. Here is a, some chapter takeaways to help you feel present and read, um, ready to co-create your life. You must support yourself. Acknowledge the impressions in your mind that aren't serving you. Boom. Know and trust that you can slowly, that you can slowly but surely minimize them by being present in your own life. Boom. Make surrender your friend. Boom. Positive impressions build quickly. Repetition is the key. Like the whole thing, what I love about your book is that you're, 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 you're telling a story, you're giving stories and anecdotes, and then you're giving suggestions and, and, and very quick tips, you know, little, little bite-sized tips. Uh, so that people can digest it. And it's not this like long, intense, seven, 12 page, one chapter, you know, I mean, I, I just, you know, some people will write these books. I'm just like, I don't want to read your book just by the way it's set up. You know, I'm not interested. It's just a lot of words I see, you know, and it's just a sea of words. I just a sea of words, you know, like I read the Hobbit when I was a kid and it was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really should have put my teacher in the mental ward for that because that was just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I'm like, really? You're having us read this book? It's a sea of words. And it goes on forever. Ever. Forever. And what I love about your book and why I think everyone should have this book is that because people can go back and look at where they're not stepping into that radical love that you speak about so eloquently giving them the ability to have those things at hand to remind them how to stay in that current and in that frequency. What what would you say are the five steps to live a radically loved life? Oh, the five steps. The first one I would say would have to be awareness, to have an awareness of just where you are. No judgment, just be aware. The second, I would say acceptance. Just accept where you are, accept Whatever's happening in that moment, just accept it. You can't change it in that moment. You got to just accept where you're at. (laughs) That seems like a very challenging one for a lot of people. (laughs) Well, the third, third I would say, is perspective. I would say you can can choose to change your perspective. I I talk about reframing. I talk about perspective uh, a lot. 
because it truly can be a great way to just shift your mindset around love. It's like, okay, if you don't believe in radical love, you've never been in love, or you're just like, I just don't have love in my life right now. What if you did? Can you just even pretend? Like, if you do, what would you be like? What would it feel like for you if you did? What is it that you're actually looking for? You know, how does your perspective change? If not right now, in five years, who is that person in five years, right? Um, And then the fourth, I would say to be radically honest, to just be completely honest, honest with yourself, honest with others. And I would say the fifth is to just be of service. You know, like we can't live this incredible life constantly doing all of this internal work. And and I, this may be a little controversial for the spiritual crowd, but I feel like a lot of I don't us... Care. Can, Say it. <laughs> a lot of us, we get so wrapped up in doing all the internal work. My work, I'm on this journey. I need time. Me, I'm processing. And it's like, there are other people on the planet. Like there are other human beings in the world. You affect other people in your life. Own that and take responsibility for that. Take responsibility for the energy that you bring into the room. Take responsibility for what you bring to other human beings. You're not here by yourself. There are other people. How can you follow your path and be on your spiritual journey and also help the ones that maybe aren't on that same path yet? And even if they're not on the same path, they don't want to be on the same path. Like You can literally just be of service to another human being. Like, I feel like kindness needs to trend again. I feel like there's so much hate, so much division, so much polarity. You know, I want to be in my box. And if you're not in my box, then I'm not going to like you. I'm going to treat you poorly. And it's just like, where did we lose our ability to just be kind to other people? Like that to me is, is the root of radical love. I can't be in the conduit of radical love without my other fellow human being, without my other fellow living being. So that's what I would say. You know, it's so true what you say, because uh, there was a woman once who said to me, you know, I've done so much work on myself, you know, that I'm going to ascend. And, you know, she's telling me all this stuff. And I said, well, how how are you going to ascend when your brothers and sisters have been ascended? So you you think you finish? She goes, yeah, I'm pretty much almost close to finishing. And she goes, what about you? I said, oh, no, no, no. As long as there's one human being on this planet who's suffering, I'm nowhere close to being done. Yeah, I'm not healed until we're all healed because this is a collective. This isn't a, just a me, me, me game here. And it took her a while to kind of grasp that. And one of the things that I like what you said was in, um, in three. And what was the three point you said was... Um, perspective. Perspective. Yeah, because what happens is a lot of people, they create these stories. That's why fear has such a a pull on people because fear is just an energy, right? And if you divert, if you, so when you bring fear into your path and you bring wisdom into that fear, it disperses, but it depends how much wisdom you have to bring. But the reason why fear stays is because people add stories to it. So you can have a fear of like, oh, I'm afraid of, of not being able to, to survive, okay? But then the story comes along. Well, my dad didn't survive and my mom went through survival issues. And then there was this one time I couldn't even pay my rent. And then there's this, and then you just build a story, build a story. And now it anchors fear into this dimension. 
And I think, you know, what you were saying about, you know, like literally bringing this trend of, of kindness and generosity back, we also need to bring, bring the, the trend of, you know, stop telling stories to things that we don't need to tell stories to. You know, there's very important. And I think that if people were to spend more time with, you know, these five steps that you've just given um, and really, you know, not just listen to them from a very surface level, but do a deep dive with them, they're going to see a lot of changes take place in their life because these are a lot of these steps are, are indicative of your own spiritual journey, you know, and being able to transcend these things um, and how you've placed it and how you share it in your book, you know, it's a no-brainer why people should go and get this book. It's a no-brainer why it should be sitting on their in their shelf or on their... But I wouldn't even say on the shelf. I'd say on their tabletop because people put things on their shelf and it just gets lost in a bunch of sea of books. Nobody wants that shit. So, um, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying, you know, just saying. So, uh, you know, you're like, oh, okay, let's put it on the shelf next to like, you know, Joe Dispenza and Gabriel Bernstein. Like, yeah, none of those shit's going to get read. It's just to look really good as a spiritual ornament. So everyone comes by and thinks you're actually reading that shit. Right. So, you know what I mean? It's like, let's be real people, you know? So put it on your tabletop or put it by your, put it, put it on top of your pillow, at, you know, and so you can just start. I mean, that's what I usually do. I get like a bunch of books that people send. They want me to endorse and this and that. I just take the book. I stick it on my pillow. So I know before I go to bed, I can read a little bit of it, you know, before I decide to go through my inventory of the night. And it just works perfectly. So I just recommend Tribe. Um, if you're listening, this is an amazing book. I don't bring anyone on the podcast unless I know that they're bringing information to the world globally that is supporting humanity and our evolution and the way in which we adapt our emotional intelligence and our mental acuity by operating in mental intelligence of a higher nature. So that being said, um, how can people find you, get in touch with you? What is, what, what's your deets? <laughs> my deets. I love you. Uh, you can go to my website, radicallylove.com. You can follow me on Instagram. I, I take breaks because I have, you know, <laughs> boundaries. Uh, so it's Instagram is at Rosie Acosta. Everything, all my handles are at Rosie Acosta. So you can feel free to reach out, send me your thoughts and let me know what you think of the book. I also actually narrate the book on Audible if you want to listen to it. Fantastic. How was that for you being in the studio narrating? It was interesting. It was it was bizarre, you know? Yeah, so uh, I felt when I first went in too. Yeah, like <laughs> oh I... God. And then you have to say things again. And then it's just like, okay, wait. And sometimes some of the stuff that I wrote, I was like, wait, why did I write this? <laughs> Like, what is this sentence? Oh, Doesn't flow. It. it flowed more on the page. When I'm saying it out loud, it sounds weird, but yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah. And then they have you like pronounce your words like so perfectly. I know. I was like, what? English is my second language. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. So, <laughs> so I was like, uh, and they're like, no, that's not how you say it. Should we play it back for you? I'm like, okay, play it back for me. Go ahead. <laughs> But it's quite a journey, isn't it, my dear? It is. It is. It, and it's been it's been fun. You know, it's interesting. I I'm it's fascinating to me how people actually a really a quick story. There was um 
somebody asked me, oh, are you so proud of, of your work? And I was like, I don't know that I would necessarily use the word proud. Um, I feel very complete. I feel, I feel excited. Um, there was this uh, experience that happened, this incident, I guess. Uh, one of my students is a teacher in, in Florida at a continuation school. So she teaches a junior high where there's a lot of these sort of troubled, troubled teens. And she read my book and she, you know, she was like, I really want my students to read this book. You know, I, I think it would really help them. And, and so I, she's like, can you send a couple of books, you know, and we'll have them share and, and we'll, you know, read it in class. And so I, was like, oh, how many students do you have? I'll send you like a box of books. And yeah, so I sent 30 students. So I sent 30 books. I'm like, man, that's a lot. I didn't realize how expensive it was to send 30 books, but 30 books is a lot of books. So I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I sent them, but, and all the students, she sent me a picture of all these like kids, you know, holding the books and and, you know, a couple of them, they wrote thank you cards and they sent them over and it just was really sweet. And then I get an email from the principal saying, hey, we want to incorporate your book into the curriculum for these kids. And I was just, I think that to me was an exciting moment. I wouldn't say a proud moment, but it was, it was very heartfelt. Unexpected blessings. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And, and yeah, like to me that that's everything. I, I feel, I feel like my job here is done. You know, I, I was able to at least impact that group of people, those, those boys and girls that otherwise may feel like nobody understands them or nobody sees them. And, and here's this person who went through a similar journey and, and was able to make it out. So, so that just, that makes me happy. I think that's wonderful. You know, um, I put my book in uh, Snake River Prison in Oregon and all the uh, inmates, uh, you know, they call me and talk to me about the book and we should get your book in Snake River Prison as well um, because they're facilitating uh, ways to teach meditation and they, they're, they're, the prison is now open to books like this to help the inmates there and um, yeah, so so the next time I talk to them, um, I'm going to talk about having your book there. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. So um, people can get in touch with you how? Uh, yeah, they can go to my website, radicallylove.com, or they can reach out on Instagram at Rosie Acosta. Fantastic. I appreciate you. I love you. And I'm honored that you're here with us in this share of Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.